Yes, welcome to the Living Word, the radio broadcast ministry of Living Word Church. We've been talking about the wiles of the devil uh, for, well, for quite a while now. And uh, so we're going back into that subject because last time I had to detract a little bit into the issue of miracles, which I was privileged to speak for a a whole hour on. I enjoy that tremendously, actually. And um, yes, so we're going back now to the issue of believers' battle. Because like I said, every believer is in a battle, a standing battle with the enemy of God, who is Satan. And because he's the enemy of God, he despises all of the works of God. And believers, we, we, we're top on his priority list, you know, on his hit list. But Jesus said, well, we are to beware, because um, he said, that, you know, all these false things will come along. Satan will send in false shepherds amongst us and um, to deceive the elect, even if that were possible. And um, the fact that Jesus said, if that were possible, means that, we can overcome it. So Paul, um, in writing to exhorting the believers in Ephesus in those days, and we know that the word of God is living and active. It is not a literature book. It's not a history book of what happened then. Today is different. And so things are different. Things are not different. Things are not different. God centers his timeless word. So Paul says to us, we should pull on the, finally we are to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. We are to put on the full armor of God so that we can take our stand against the devil's schemes. And in some versions of the Bible, it says the wiles of the devil. Same thing, you know. Now, we've gone through a lot of um, schemes of the devil in many ways. That very subtle. They're always very subtle. That um, one may not know, readily know, and it is a shame and a terrible tragedy that in this age, discernment is seriously lacking in the lives of believers and in what is called Christianity today. Discernment is lacking. People are just happy to go with anything and anyone who claims to be a servant of God. People are happy to to listen to anything being blotted out of any microphone or off any stage or pulpit as long as the person says they're speaking from God. People prefer and they love sensations and uh, phenomena and all those things and, and feelings. People would rather go for their feelings even if their feelings do not align with scripture. So there's a severe lack of um, there's a severe lack of discernment, and this isn't surprising because um, Paul, in writing in instructing Timothy, Timothy, uh, Paul did say that the time will come when people will no longer put up with sound doctrine. You know, he says that in in Second Timothy chapter four, and he's admo- uh, speaking to. Uh, uh, Timothy instructing him and warning him about the things to come you know saying to you know that he said to him in the presence of God I'm taking it from verse 1 there of 2nd Timothy chapter 4 in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who will judge the living and the dead and in view of his appearing in his kingdom I give you this charge preach the word be prepared in season and out of season correct rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their eating ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations. End your hardship. Do the work of, evangel- of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Incredible. Because we are in those times. And Paul, you know, he counsels Timothy and instructs him. Like, 
don't worry about it. You keep your head in all situations. Don't get carried away by feelings and sensations and what the world is doing and what the people want. Do not be interested in pleasing the people. Keep your heart focused on Christ and Christ alone. And the problem we have today is exactly that. People no longer putting up with sound doctrine. People love the things that sound nice to them. People love the things that, you know, encourage them in their carnality. People love the things that encourage their selfish ambition, their personal dreams. And you know what? It's amazing, isn't it? The dreams of men, when people talk about my dreams, their dreams are always centered around the self. It's never really a dream about, oh, if only I could be just like Christ in thought, would and deed. If only I just dream of that day when I can ex- exhibit as much love as Jesus did, when I can love all and sundry, regardless of what they what they do to me or how they feel about me. If I can still love them and put myself out. People don't have such dreams. No, they don't. They don't have such dreams like, you know, if only I could endure, you know, live like Paul the Apostle did and endure all the hardship and all the persecution and people reject me. But I'll be one with Christ and it'll be fantastic. People don't dream that. When people talk about dreams, it's to do with greed. It's to do with how wealthy they can get, how famous they can get. How It's all about self. You see, the, the delusion of man. Man is so evil, it's shocking. Man is so evil, it, 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 it beggars belief. The dreams, dreams. And you've got all those preachers who are encouraging, yeah, don't stop dreaming, yeah, you dream, you must dream. If you don't dream, you're not spiritual enough and all those things. And all those things are centered around selfish ambition and self-centeredness. That is not the way of Christ. That is not Christianity. It isn't Christianity. Because Christianity centers around Christ. We come to realize that our very being, uh, existence is not about us, after all. We thought it was. The people of the world think, think you know, life is all about them. That's why we've got all the selfish ambition, all the wickedness and all the evil that has taken over the world when people just want to excel above, over, over and above everybody else. Why? Not because they want to be helpful to everybody else. Because they want to they, they covet the ability to lord it over everybody else. To oppress and suppress everybody else. That's what it's all about. It's a competitive world. But we are called. When we come to Christ, we are called out of that race of insanity. That race of depravity. We are called now to run a different race. That race of bringing glory to, the, to, to, to God. The purpose for which every man was crea- created in the first place. The race to eternity. Yes, we have been gifted salvation. It's free and fair. No, you know, from God it's a gift. Not through any good things we have done or can ever do. We can never ever do enough good works. But then we are saved unto good works. So don't sit in your comfort zone and say that because Christ has paid for your sins and there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. There's nothing else for you to do. Except just uh, live your life and get on with it and start running the same race that every other foolish man is running. And now it's all about you because now that you've got Christianity, Christianity is supposed to enhance your your sense of greed and, and, and selfish ambition. You know, you think that now, now I've got God and Christ on my side. They are all able and all powerful. So they're going to help me fulfill my dreams. And your dreams are the same selfish dreams I've been talking about. Mm-mm, that's not what Christianity is all about. 
That is not what Christianity is all about. We cannot just sit there and say because Jesus has done away with sin and judgment and all that, so there's no condemnation for me now. So you just sit there in, in complicity and carry on doing things. No, we are saved unto good works. Ephesians two eight. It says, "For we are God's uh, ten. It says, "For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God prepared it in advance. We came around. We weren't doing it because we didn't know what to do because we chose to work in." ignorance and in a disobedience but now what we've come to christ and we have admitted that you know lord you are lord of my life that means you are my master i am your slave don't sit down and think you're co-equal with god as some people teach you're co-equal with christ because it says you're co heirs with me and so you take that to mean that you are now a little deity yourself you are not you will always be a human being you are not gods we are not gods we are still man and we will always be man so there's a problem. We're supposed to then rise up. And this is why Paul then exhorts. He wants the people in the Ephesian church in the same way he wants us today. That we are. We are to be alert to the devil's kings. Because the purpose of Satan. His purpose is. Well his greatest ambition anyway. Is to destabilize the Christian walk. And, disturb, and shipwreck our faith. And many are falling that way. Many are falling that way. Just the fact that somebody says Jesus is Lord and they have all these lovely Christian stickers on their car bumpers and, you know, they're in church six days a week and they're paying their tithes and offerings doesn't necessarily make them Christian, you know. It doesn't. It doesn't necessarily make them Christian because we look at it, we're supposed to bear fruit. Now, the Holy Spirit is the one who actually produces fruit in us. We can't do it on our, of ourselves. But then, then that's the problem. Because you find some Christians who are unfruitful. You do not see any semblance to Christ in them. You do not see them bearing the fruit of the Spirit. As the Bible says we are supposed to bear. Remember Jesus himself said it in chapter 15 of John. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Remain in me and I will remain in you. And he said that any any branch that does not bear fruit will be cut off. That means that branch does not belong to the true vine. Because if you do belong to the true vine, you cannot fail to bear fruit. Like I said, we don't do it. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit will do that in the lives of those who are truly submitted to him. Therein lies the thing. Of those who are submitted to him. So where you find Christians who are not bearing fruit, you you know, one should wonder. We're not supposed to be going around seeking out fruits in one another. But it's obvious. It is obvious. It should be obvious. When the Christians, when, when the 4th century Christians were called Christians in Antioch, it wasn't because they were walking and telling people, you know what, we're born again now, and you know, I'm blessed and highly favored, and they were, you know, running around asking for miracles and asking for breakthroughs. It was nothing like that. These guys were so the, devoted to Christ. Their lives were transformed, even as Paul says in Romans chapter 12. You see, look, in, in Romans chapter 12, Paul exhorts there, he says, um, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to, uh, to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So that re- that responsibility lies in our hands. There's a lot of, yes, the Holy Spirit does a transformation in us. He does the rebirth in us. But then there are certain responsibilities that we carry. He said, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, which means you are the one who have the responsibility to change your conformity. 
you can then choose to conform to the words, to, to the teachings of Christ, the patterns of Christ, or you can continue your conformity to the world. So you see, there are things that we have to do. You don't just sit there and say, it's all over and done with, I'm fine. Jesus did all the work, so I've got nothing to do. You have a lot to do. And it is because people are sitting in this state of complacency that the devil is destabilizing them and toppling them and, 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 and defeating many who claim to be Christians. And that's why Paul issued that counsel. Telling us, and it goes ahead to tell us exactly what the full armor of God is, which he says we should put on. I haven't gotten to that stage yet, but I will. We're going to actually talk about this armor, whole armor of God piece by piece. We're going to break it all down. But it was very necessary. Paul knew it was very, it's a matter of life and death. It's a matter of life and death. Because he said, when we're able to do that, when we, he said, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. How many are standing today? Yet, they all claim they're Christians. You know, we're not deceived. That's why God said he will repay each person according to the thoughts of his mind. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Like I said, every action we perform is as a matter of some plan we put together in our minds. Every word we utter is as a result of things we have thought about in our minds. The mind is the battlefield of the believer. It is in your mind, from your mind that unbelief comes. And it is from your mind that belief comes. So in this issue about spiritual assault, which is one of the aspects of the believer's battle that I've been talking about in recognizing the schemes of the devil, um, I've been talking about spiritual assault. So this time I want to talk about certain things. We'll start with um, doubt and distrust in God. Doubt and distrust in God. That is a major problem for many Christians. Many say they're Christians. They're Christians. So whom have they believed? Because they're Christians. Yet the thing, one uh one pastor is superior to the other and one prophet is more powerful than the other so they're prostituting themselves to anyone who advertises himself as a breakthrough giver or a miracle maker or some kind of healer how many christs have we got how many gods are there there is only one almighty god and there is only one son of god and savior the lord jesus christ so if you are a believer and you indeed have the relationship with Christ that you are supposed to have, because we're all supposed to be have this one-on-one -on -one relationship, we are not going to stand before God as a church, you know, as you know, as uh, respective church groups on earth. Each of us is going to stand as one person. So the faith is not about your collective faith as a, as a church, whereby well, I'm going to go with the church, so we'll all answer together. No, we're all going to live as individuals. Whether we are called away from this world or Jesus returns, each person will give account of his journey through this world. And your pastor will not be able to represent you. I will not be able to speak for any member of my flock, or, 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 you know, that Christ has put me in charge of. Each of us will give his own account. So if indeed I have that relationship and I know Jesus as Lord of my life and I know and recognize that I'm a child of God, 
Now the Bible says as many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. I know Jesus said when we come to him, when we abide in him and his words abide in us, he said, I will send you the comforter. He will be with you. He will live with you and in you. And then he went further and said, my father will love him and we will come and make our home with him. Now, if that is the case and you accept and admit that that is the truth of God, which you believe, why are you then restless? Why are you going from place to place in search of miracles and healings and breakthroughs? Do you think God maybe is missing something and only that other big man of God or that great woman of God can actually draw God's attention to the problem you're going through? You don't think God sees you? You don't think he knows your problems? You don't think he sees where you are? You need to go and find somebody who can talk to God better because you don't know how to talk to God or you think somebody else, regardless of who he is. I'm a minister of God too. But I do not believe I've got better access to God than members of my of the flock. I'm just there. I'm appointed to teach them. We're all equal. Jesus said, you are not to call anyone on earth father because you are all brothers. There's only one father. So regardless of a person's title or the number of crowds they gather or, or, or the influence they have in the world and all those things, regardless of that, they are not superior to any other believer. We are all equal in the eyes of God. They also have had their sins ransomed, if they have been ransomed, because a lot of them are just liars anyway. So they're not. So they do not have the power to intercede on your behalf any more than you can pray for yourself. The Bible makes it very clear that there is only one intercessor. There is only one intercessor between man and God. The man Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. And so when you think that oh, if I go to this person and, and, and go to that pastor, they said that prophet is so hot, that pastor is all knowing that you're deceiving yourself. You're not in Christ, are you really? Because look, there it is. Uh, that was First uh, Timothy 2, 5. For there is only one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men. The testimony given in its proper time. That's the only intercessor. So if your relationship is not right with God and you're praying over something and it hasn't happened, one, Trusting in God means that you trust his judgment in every situation and his sovereignty over all things. It may well be that you are sick. For all that God cares, for reasons best known to him, and he is all-knowing and he knows best, if you really know God, you will always trust his judgment. It may be that that sickness will lead to death. So what? How many of us have been promised life eternal in this, in this present world? Nobody. We should look forward to seeing the Lord. We should look forward to meeting the Lord. And if the sickness is not going to result in death, do you know, according to God's plan, whether or not you pray about it, he will heal you anyway. And if it is going to result in death, as God has ordained it to be to do, it doesn't matter how much you pray. Now, don't get that mixed up with the instruction we have in uh, James, that if anyone's sick, you know, let them pray to the uh, call on the elders of the church. Now, that's a different story. I mean, I can't go into all that now because it detract from what I'm saying. But if we're going to claim that that is the timeless claim for all Christians, then why is it then that many Christians who are still being paid for daily, you know, we have 
people, the pastors and everybody in the church or run a prayer group surrounding their beds daily in hospital or at home and people are still dying. So what's going on? Is the word of God deceiving us? No, it's not. The word of God isn't deceiving us and God isn't lying to us. The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. It is when we misconstrue what God is saying for our own purposes, for our own selfish reasons. We want to only see one, you know, want to put our own interpretation into what the word of God says, just so it suits us and it's, you know, it soothes us and it comforts us and it, um, it polishes our ego, it elates us. It's when we want to do that, that we find disappointment. That's when, you know, we, we put all this ministry and we refuse to say, oh no, he's such a loving God, he will not let any evil happen to his children. Do you know what? As long as we live in this world that is evil, we will also experience evil things happening. We also could be swept away by tsunamis and floods and things. Are we going to say that everybody who is uh, involved in this sort of countries where there's earthquakes and famines and tsunamis and floods, are we going to say they're all non-believers? No, they're not. They are Wonderful believers who get caught up in these things. In the same way that we have beautiful Christians who die of cancer and die of HIV AIDS and die of liver failure and things. We have Christians who are not all married. I mean, God hasn't said expressly that we must all be married, actually, as a matter of fact. And uh, we have Christians, wonderful faithful Christians who, we, who, who are childless. We have wonderful Christians who have disabilities, born deformed in some cases, or through some unfortunate incidences have become disabled. Are we going to say God hates them? No, he doesn't. We live in a world that is evil. The promise we have is not for perfection in this present world. We have been saved for eternity, where all things will be renewed, and all things, and us too, will be made perfect. So as long as we're here, we will go through the same hardships as the people of this world. We will also have empty bank accounts. We will struggle to pay bills also. We will suffer unemployment too. We will suffer everything the world is because the world is evil. The entire world has detracted from what God ordained it to be in the first place. And God saw that. He wasn't happy with it. And so to some of us, he has chosen to show mercy and compassion. And then he has given us that hope that, you know what? It doesn't matter what you go through in this life. Today I've saved you for myself. And I'm going to renew all things. And you are going to enjoy a beautiful, perfect, blissful, wonderful life. In the new earth I'm going to create, it will be called the home of righteousness. There'll be no more sin and no more evil. No more sickness and no more disease. There'll be no weeping and no mourning, no sorrow, no dying. This is my promise to you. And that is what we're supposed to look forward to. That's what we're supposed to look forward to. So the heresy and the fallacy that because you're a Christian, all these things mustn't happen to you, no evil must happen to you here, is a lie. It's a lie. And that's the problem. Because people say they're Christians, yet they're so restless. They do not have the peace of God. Why? You know, it's a spiritual assault. You are being spiritually assaulted. Talking about spiritual assault, people talk about witches and wizards only. No, it goes far beyond that. Doubt and distrust in God. If you truly love God, if you really understand, you know, God and God's will and ways, you will trust him with your life. You will trust anything he chooses to do to you. Paul the Apostle speaks in Corinthians, he speaks about his sufferings. He didn't go through all those sufferings when he was a non-Christian and a persecutor of, of Christians. He was one of the elites in Israel. Highly educated scholar, theologian and all that. 
But when he became a Christian, he went through suffering. He began to get flogged in the marketplace. He was stoned everywhere he showed up to preach. Riots broke out everywhere. He went through hunger and through sufferings. He went through nakedness and dressed in rags, imprisoned, everything. Because he was a Christian. So where we get this airy fairy kind of Christianity that is being peddled to people today, I don't know where it's come from, if not from the hands of the deceiver. Who is throwing people in a foolish state of complacency and restlessness and doubting and distrusting in God? Look at what James said in chapter 1 of James from verse 5 to 8. He's speaking, he's, he's counseling believers. Telling us, I'll take it from verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will achieve anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. Now, that asking there that James is talking about is not asking for all the things you ask for in prayer, a better, fine, uh, better finances, bigger houses, bigger cars, you know. No, no, that's not the kind of asking. He's speaking here about living the life of Christianity godliness with contentment that kind of life and he's saying that if you lack wisdom ask God wisdom is a very essential very essential um, gift from God to enable us it's a very essential uh, requirement for us to be able to live the life of godliness with contentment speaker is saying to them consider your joy Whenever you face trials of many kinds, how many people consider you of the world consider you joy when they suffer it? Do they not always lay the blame at God's feet? Oh, if your God was really a loving God, as you say, why are children dying? Why are we having floods and tsunamis and famine? People love to lay the blame at the, at the feet of God. But only a person with wisdom will understand and be able to retort and say, you know what? These things happen. Not because God has brought evil on the world, but because man has invited evil into the world himself. Now, in as much as you do not trust God or you refuse to honor him with your life, don't just expect him to step in every time there's trouble looming for you, even though you despise him. God has put a place, he's put salvation in place for those who love him, who honor him, who trust him. And very soon, all those things will pass. And those who belong to God will live that blissful life in perfection. In the perfection of creation that God did made in the first place. These things happen because of the evil of man. There's all this wickedness in the world because of the evil of man. The level of man's evil and wickedness, like I keep saying, is alarming. Only a person with the wisdom of God. I'm not talking about the wisdom of this world, which is foolishness in the sight of God. But only a person with the wisdom of God can understand when they're going through trials that there is a lot for me to learn through these difficulties and tribulations. And they sit down in submission and praise God regardless. Satan does not want you praising God. Satan wants you despising God. Satan wants you to curse God to his face like he tried to make Job do. So when in the time of trial and tribulation and problems you despair and you walk off. I know how many Christians do I see who have actually walked off from Christ. They never were his own in the first place. 
because they reckon they've been disappointed. Yes, I've prayed. I got a very lengthy email from a, a young man in Africa uh, during the week. Do you know what? I had to, in replying him, I had to actually type up my entire response in Word first because I knew the email would not, if, you know, probably cut off halfway through typing it all and then I'd lose the talent and have to start all over again. It was four A4 pages that I wrote in response to this person. And that's not even typing up any biblical reference, any Bible references. I had to put them all in brackets saying, you know what, get your Bible and read, go through this. This person's supposed to be born again Christian. But it's despairing of life. He said, I need to find God sooner rather than later because my friends who are nowhere near being born again have got wonderful jobs and fantastic jobs. I graduated and I'm not, uh, 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 I'm still unemployed. Why is it? How can I get hurt and bitterness from my heart against my sister who is wealthy and influential enough to get me a job but isn't helping me but rather using me as a glorified house boy in a house? How do I do this? This person is questioning God. Why is it that I don't have all the that Christians are, uh, are suffering a lot of uh, poverty and difficulties and hardships when unbelievers are prospering, especially in the first world? Why are we in the third world suffering? And the people in the first world are enjoying all those things. What is our proof of being Christians? A materially abundant life is no proof of Christianity, is it? You need wisdom to appreciate that. So you see what I'm saying? You see where the problem is in today? What is called Christianity? This is a person who goes to church four or five times a week. This is a person who she, he said, I've answered too many altar calls and I've had hands laid on me so many times and I still don't feel the peace or comfort that I'm supposed to feel as a, um, a sinner who has had holy hands laid on them. I can, I've lost t- track of all the altar calls I've answered. Yet this person, this poor guy, is under the ministration of a pastor or very many pastors. The questions were numerous. I told you it took me four complete A4 pages of explaining to him. That kind of person after a while would despair and walk away from the church. And it isn't God who is disappointing anyone. It isn't Christ. It is the people under whose ministration he has been who, has been, who have been lying to him. He said from what he didn't have is so, so many seeds and nothing's going on. So we see where the problem is. So if you hear me keep talking about false teachings or false teachers, I have to because people's lives are at stake. People's lives are at stake. There is a lot to talk about. I'm going to continue on this uh, subject next week. I mean, I'm still on the issue of d- doubt and distrust in God. We've still got fear to deal with. We've got depression. We've got cultism. We've got spiritism. These are all spiritual assaults through which Satan is destabilizing the Christian walk of many people and shipwrecking their faith. So we continue this the next time I'm on. Until the next time, may the Lord richly bless you.